It's time for Girls and Golf Podcast with your favorite hosts, Lex and Sarah. Ladies, when you're ready. Thank you, Chris Harrison. Welcome to the Girls and Golf Podcast, part of the Callaway Podcast Network. Before we get going, um, just a little reminder to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Sarah and I are back in studio. We did our first on-location show back in New York. If you haven't listened to that, go to CallawayGolf.com and check out our podcast with Gruder Golf. Um, but today, we are joined in studio by Julie Williams from AmateurGolf.com. Just a little um, brag on Julie before we get going. She's currently a writer and managing editor, and she's a high school girls golf coach. Her past gigs include a college golfer, she worked for Golf Week magazine, she started her own golf blog, she has also worked six U.S. Girls Junior Championships, eight NCAA Championships, she worked at the inaugural ANWA, which we'll talk about later, four U.S. Women's Open, and a Solheim Cup. Did I get all of those right? Those are are the highlights, yes. I've seen it every level. That is quite an accomplishment you've been for busy a media career yeah <laughs> well thanks. well I've been you know I've been doing it for about a decade and and you know always focused on women's golf and felt like that's where I really liked to get to know the players and and once you you know I started with the juniors and then got to follow them all the way up so it's really cool when you got to know a kid playing a junior and then mm-hmm. you saw her in the women's am in the women's open and then you know now we're seeing them on the Solheim Cup teams yeah that's really crazy. So before all of the things that like we just listed and before you got involved there, how did golf start for you? So golf started for me just as the family game, to be honest. And so I have an older sister. She played. So we were going head to head growing up. And that was just our game. So, you know, I got to play in high school. I loved it. Wanted to play more. So I played on a college team. And, you know, I played Division Two. So it was basically, you just got to take a golf vacation every weekend. You got a free <laughs> membership to the club in town. So, um, you know, and I knew I wanted to work in golf because I didn't want to stop playing or stop being around the game. So um, I started working at Golf Week right out of college and kind of worked my way through the industry and kind of learned how to do a lot of different things. So was there an exact moment for you when you decided you wanted to be more on the media side? And how did you make that transition? So to be honest, I was a journalism major in college. Oh, me too. Oh, excellent. <laughs> um, and I worked hard news. So like I did the crime beat for our oh, student wow. newspaper. And I loved like, you know, I would go look at the police blotter like every Friday. That was That's my cool. That was my Friday routine. <laughs> Maybe a little different than Wild most college, college kids. Nights, yeah. yeah, exactly. It was great when you saw, you know, like your friends in the police blotter. That was always exciting. Oh, gosh. Um, but, you know, I decided that would be really fast paced and kind of a downer to do and I thought well I like golf Mm -hmm. and so I convinced the sports editor at the college paper hey let me just write a few sports stories and see how this works and I thought you know I don't know about swimming or basketball that was a struggle so I thought I just you know have to stick to golf here and and so I worked as a you know an unpaid intern at golf week out of college and then you know doors started opening from there as I kind of learned how how it went that's, That's awesome. really cool. Um, so you had you had college like media experience. What was your college golf experience like? Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, not the typical, you know. I see. I cover mostly Division One college mm-hmm. now. You know, and playing Division Two. If you didn't make it to practice, you know, your coach was not on top of you. We weren't playing great courses. I grew up in, and played in Missouri, so we always went north. You know, I can remember playing regionals in North Dakota in, like, the first week of April. And, you know, you hit a stinger and you think your hands are going to fall off. Wow. Um, but it was it was just golf with your friends, honestly, and it was great. That's really cool. I, I 
honestly can't really relate to the, like the cold part of it because I grew up playing desert golf. So I, my biggest fear, I feel like, was always like losing a ball in somewhere that I was gonna like get bitten or like something is gonna jump it's out. Very at me. different. I can't imagine how different that is. Um, so you now obviously are seeing a lot of women at like their starting level, going into their professional career. What is the best part about watching this stage of the game? I think it's because they are, I mean, you see what they're doing, you know, they they reflect what the pros are doing um, and the, wor- the work that they put in. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times I would be at a junior event and I'd watch a kid, you know, and then interview her and, and she would go, you know, talk to her parents or eat lunch or something. But when I would leave the course, you know, I'd write my story, do whatever it is, uh, you know, else that I was doing. And they would still be out on the green and on the range, and it's like you know they they enjoy the game, they love it. You you can tell, but they work so hard at it, and so to me, it's fun to see that pay off for them down the road and see them have success at that level. And and you can pick out the ones who you know you're going to be seeing over and over again. Yeah. So what's the bi- biggest difference between high school golf and college golf? just from your coaching experience? Like, what's the most exciting things as well? I think the biggest difference is just probably the intensity. Um, You know, I I am a competitive person, and it's interesting to cover the game at a competitive level, but also keep in mind that that doesn't do it for everybody. And, And so... You know, there are people who come out and, you know, I have girls who come out and they want to learn a new sport. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm very supportive of that. And, I, you know, I think also it's important for everyone to, you know, if you're just wanting to learn the game and this game, you know, you can play it for life. And as I tell people, you know, every boss I've ever had, I've played golf with. And so you need to learn how to hit your seven iron and how to, you know, hit a half wedge. But you also have to know that, okay, you can't walk, you know, don't walk in my line and don't talk in my backswing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, here's the lingo that goes with the game. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can play it for a lot of different purposes. And I think, you know, you have to find what your purpose is. And in coaching, I have discovered that you have to know what your player's purpose is and address it from that way. Because you don't want to, I mean, you want to grow them in the game, Mm -hmm. not, you know, make it seem like it's not for them. And do you find that like women and girls trust you more that you have all this experience or how does, how do you form those relationships? I think once they figure out that I play, um, that, that kind of, they buy in there. Um, and that has opened doors for me, you know, across the board and, and talking about just knowing the game and knowing how to talk about the game, right? It, you know, I think once somebody sees that you have a little bit of street credibility, that that goes a long way. So, you know, knowing how to play the game is is a big advantage. And I think, I think you know, if you're going to talk about it, you, you need to know it. What has it been like, like being a coach? How, how long have you been one, first of all, for those that don't know? And then Second, like, how did you grow into that position? So um, I've only been doing this for three years. Um, and, and it was honestly just something I, I wanted to try out. Um, and, and I feel like I have learned a lot. Uh, you know, I, I know I keep going back to talking about the game because that's what I do for yeah, a living. Yeah, but it is, you know, there are words that we use that you don't realize if you're not a golfer. It, you know, it it is sort of a foreign language. Mm-hmm. So I have learned how to look at golf from the mind of a beginner because so much of my 
writing career has been looking at it from the perspective of the very top level. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I appreciate it more looking at it you know, from a from a beginner standpoint, because there are so many things that are different about golf. I mean, you're not in a gym, you know, something my coach used to say to me in college when I would get frustrated or when I would complain, you know, that I had too many other things going on or whatever. He would say, you know, you could be sitting in a lecture hall right now and you're not. You're out here, you know, there's a free bucket of balls sitting out there for, for you and you can go play as many holes today as you want. And so, you know, that's something that I, I think I am probably more appreciative and more grateful for the game and what it provides um, than I was before. I see it, you know, I just see it from a different perspective. Do you try to relate that to your team as well? Like, especially with excuse me, especially with like high school girls, you have a big opportunity to like mentor them, I'm sure, and like really relate to them and get to know them over those four years or however long they're with you. Is that like, how big is like the personal level of coaching a team? That's, that's huge. And, and that's exactly, I I do try to, you know, let's keep this in perspective here, you know, and so much of, you know, so much of your golf game and so much of any given day, you know, your experience is what you bring into it. And, you know, you, you're having a bad day and that definitely translates to the golf course. Um, But the things that are important to, you know, I have, I think gotten to know what the things that are important to me on the golf course are. And so I have, you know, tried to mentor in that way. And also just for me, this is a way to give back because Mm -hmm. I have been able to build my career in a game that I really love. Um, And if we don't give back, you know, I've met so many cool rules officials along the way and volunteers. And sometimes that blows my mind because I know how tired I am at the end of a day and I'm generally following one player, you know, I, I hardly ever, and, you know, on a day I'm covering golf, get there for the first tee shot and stay till the last tee shot, you know, and, and those people do. Um, and it takes, this is a game that it takes volunteers and giving back. And, and so th- this is a way that I, I, you know, it really, it has enhanced the whole experience for me. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So you've seen, now you you coach, you've reported on like all levels of the women's game. How do you feel about the state of women's golf right now? I have never been more excited, um, particularly the Augusta National Women's Amateur, which I I don't know, I just call it the ANWA, even though it's kind of a funny (laughs) name, the ANWA. Uh, The ANWA, I have never experienced a week in golf like that week. I get excited about golf, when I write about it and when I watch it. But every night that I drove home from the course, whether it was Champions Retreat or certainly from Augusta National, I had chills and and it was just totally foreign to me. And I remember when they announced two years ago that they were gonna play it to begin with. Mm -hmm. And to me, I didn't see it coming at all. Uh, And I, I think, you know, I think a lot of people didn't see it coming, but I think it's, the way it was received, that to me says a ton about where the state of the game is. I interviewed two coaches this week too, Charlotte and Virginia Tech. Those women's golf programs, they're the two, you know, two of the newest mm-hmm. in the sport. They got their first wins. Um, I interviewed a, a couple of weeks ago a Division II player who had won a Division I tournament. You know, they're a division, there's a Division II team that's her team had won a Division I tournament. So things like that that are happening for the first time make me think that the game women's golf is growing in the right ways the talent is getting deeper i think we're more visible 
So I, I have never been, a, I don't think, more excited about it than I was this year. Yeah. So let's t- let's talk more about it because that was a huge part of, like you said, it's a huge part of the women's game. I think it was definitely the most seen part of women's golf, even with the Solheim Cup being this year. I feel like what everybody talked about was the Enwa. I agree. So <clears throat> you already talked a little bit about like your first thoughts about that tournament. But do you think that the girls were robbed only having one round at Augusta? Or do you think that, like, you take take what you can, like, this is amazing? That was that was the number one question of the week. Yeah. Maybe, you know, right behind how are they going to play Augusta? How are they going to fare out there? Um, and I spent a lot of time thinking about it and trying to really hone in on, well, how do I feel as a female here? Do, you know, how do I feel about being here? And I reached the conclusion by, you know, mid middle of the week. I was just so happy that the door had opened yeah. because I felt mm-hmm. like they had a platform and, and it was a, a gift because I don't know that so many people who tu- tuned in to watch on Saturday probably were tuning in to watch the women. I think they were tuning in to see the game. And when they tuned mm-hmm. in, they saw something incredible that I think will bring them back over and over. It's out of curiosity, you know, it, it draws so many people in and I think it's only going to grow from there. So exactly. and from that perspective, I think you're totally right. Um, as far as media coverage goes, do you think they got the coverage that they deserved? Was there enough there? They absolutely did. There were more writers there from bigger outlets, more outlets, writers who exclusively cover men were covering women that week and maybe had never been to a women's amateur event. So mm-hmm. I think, on you know, they, they hit it on every level and nothing felt like an afterthought. It, it was, you know, the details were all there, the logos, the signage. It was, it was all, you know, it, they went all in. What That's was awesome. the vibe you got from the players? Like, do you do you felt like they they really felt like they were on that stage? Mm-hmm. That because really, you look, you can see like the pictures, especially of like of that round with Cupcho and Maria Fossi. It's like you look at them and you see them on the course, and it it still kind of like gives you chills looking at two women going around Amen Corner. It's that's crazy. the image that is the one that sticks in my mind is seeing them, you know against that backdrop but funny the the girls and there were many you know any college who had a player in the field you know almost all of them their their coach was there to Mm -hmm. experience it um and so I spent a lot of time speaking with the college coaches and the parents on the sidelines you know but talking to the girls too it it was like a hushed can you believe we're here can you believe this is really happening you know pinching themselves um they were so appreciative and and you talk about you know the images and looking at the girls and how they reacted especially in that final round but some of the images that really also stick with me were the whole field got to go and have dinner early in the week at Augusta National and they bust them in and there was a photographer on the bus and these girls are looking at the course and you know as they're driving down Magnolia Lane and their eyes are just bugging out of their heads and it was I thought that was really cool because mm-hmm. they had never seen it before mm-hmm. and they had ne- you know never thought they would get to go play it it's so exciting and yeah. I think like because this is the first time and this has ever happened in history there's a lot of pressure with that so how did those girls kind of maintain that pressure and make sure you know they were okay the entire time I think a lot of them were a little nervous about that. So the the player who hit the first tee shot um, in play that day, Anna Redding, she plays for uh, Virginia. And 
I don't know how, I mean, she had a beautiful shot. I, I wouldn't have been able to make contact if that had been me because there was a full horseshoe of people around her with uh, Bubba Watson's head, you know, taller than everyone, <laughs> like sticking up yeah. over top, you know. Um, but they handled it beautifully. But um, I think where you maybe even saw more nerves or where I felt like I saw more nerves were the two rounds at Champions Retreat uh, because you had to get in the top 30 to be able to play at Augusta or at least to compete at Augusta. And there were a lot of players the first day, some of those top, like, you know, top 10, top 15 in the in the world amateur golf ranking who you thought were a lock or who were going to play great. And I think they got a little nervous and there were some high numbers from mm. kids you didn't expect that first few days. Mm. So I think that's where it really came out that they wanted to make the most of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally see that too, especially since like once you get there, like you know, like you're gonna play, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter because you're, you're I mean, there. It matters, yeah. it matters, but you're there. Competitive, but exactly. Like, you made it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I know. It. It was. It was just. A, it was a. Like I said, it was a week. Like. I mean, like nothing I've ever experienced yeah. in terms of crowds and just the excitement and the mm-hmm. hype. It was it was just so cool. For those of us that weren't there, what was the course set up like? Like, how was it different? Like, could you see the difference that it was set up for the women or? You know, I couldn't, because I have never been to Augusta National. That was my first time ever going. Um, but, I, you know, I think there was a lot of debate about how they were, you know, how their games were going to fit. Um, and even, you know, the day before when they were all playing the practice round and all of the writers were kind of waiting under the tree and and wanting to talk to the girls as they were coming off the course you know everybody was wondering you know how, how do they have you know how short are the par fives are they reachable you know maria fossey could hit every par five into mm-hmm. um and, and so to me that says and even you know watching Jennifer Cupcho make that eagle on um, 13 and and she had a three hybrid into that green she said she was 211 yards out so to me they had you know they had reachable par fives they they had some tough pins I think um, distance is is where they did it correctly because I think that it allowed us to see the show that we needed to see Mm -hmm. on Saturday and um, covering college golf a lot of times you see setups that aren't quite right for women. Yeah. You know, they don't have reachable par fours. The par threes are, are too long. And I really think that they nailed it. And I think that's a big reason why it was a success. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. So for next year, what are your thoughts on how they can improve from now, from here? So, I, you know, the thing that really stuck out to me that, that I wanted to see um, and didn't see is there were a lot of special invitations and exemptions for the big tournament winners, you know, the U.S. Women's Amateur, um, the U.S. Girls Junior, you know, those players get in. There was no mid-amateur, well, there, I, I take that back. There were a couple of girls who were, you know, they had graduated college. I think there were two cr- girls in that field who had graduated college and played. But there, I wanted to see a mid-amateur or a mid-amateur presence, you know, more than one player. Mm-hmm. I felt like that would have been really cool. And mm-hmm. and that was kicked around a little bit, you know, at least in the, in the media. So I wonder if we might see an invitation for somebody in that age bracket because that to me is a big part of the game. Yeah. I yeah, I think that I think that would be really cool. And obviously, you know, they had they had a huge success. Like I I always think there is definitely ways you can improve, but if if they did it again, just like they did it this year, like I think it would still be amazing mm-hmm. personally. But um okay, so we have we have the Anwa and it was amazing. We could talk about it all day. <laughs> we also had a Solheim Cup year. 
how do you think we can keep people engaged in women's golf after having like two big events in one year going into next year? Like, how do you keep the audience and let them know, like, this is still the same exciting game that you saw on those two events each week? I think it's about playing up the players' storylines because the players who have longevity in the game, whether it's at the amateur level or at the professional level, I think that the players that fans know and follow are players who have a storyline and they tell it in a compelling way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm thinking about... um, Stacy Lewis, you know, with her back and you know, and and playing through that, yeah. and Lizette Salas has this great story of you know driving around the Symmetra Tour in her first year as a professional with her dad and in their little truck, um, and making it you know kind of coming up from nothing. Um, I'm thinking about Haley Moore, who was the player for Arizona who hold the winning putt at the 2018 NCAA Championships and has this story of overcoming bullying. And Mm -hmm. I think that it's important to tell who these players are and then the fans have a rooting interest in Mm -hmm. what they stand for and where they have come. So it's it's Mm storylines and stories to me. And and part of it is, you know, the players, the players who tell it well, Mm -hmm. you know, they... They're more than just golfers. Exactly. They're they're a whole, whole person. And there's stories that people have never heard before. So mm-hmm. yeah. Do you see that as something that um, kind of makes like the women's game different from the men's? Like just the fact that you know, obviously, the LPGA doesn't get the attention that the PGA Tour does. Um, but the fact that we have to say like we need to humanize these women. Do you think that? Do you think that makes it harder? Or do you think it's just different? I think that the LPGA certainly, and I cover amateur in college, and so I live this in my career, but we're, it, they're so much more accessible. The players mm-hmm. are so much more accessible. And so they're very good with the fans, particularly the younger fans. Mm-hmm. And that's where you make the connection. And then you have people who are going to grow up and follow you and know you and you know know everything about you. So so. You know, it's interesting because I think the women's players are just, I think they're maybe better with their fans or, or at least I the totally experience agree. is different. Yeah. I totally agree. I'm just interested. I'm interested to like talk about, you know, like the, the men we see obviously in TV commercials and all these things and they're, they're a lot more forward facing, but the women are definitely known for being more accessible. So how do you think we can like, play that up a little bit and help like be like this these are athletes that like you can literally get to them you can talk to them and they will be around whereas like sometimes you might not see that in men's sports Mm -hmm. that that's exactly true and 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 that's a you know I think that's probably one of the issues facing women's golf is just is visibility but uh I think we made big steps there this year so I am really interested to see where we go next year because you're right when you say the Anwa was great, but the Solheim Cup was great too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we won't have that next year, right? Because, you know, it's every other. But I think I'm hoping that the leaders in golf are having this conversation too, and I, mm-hmm. I think they are. So what is the number one thing you are the most excited about for the next year to come? That's a good question. I mean, obviously, I, I want to go back to the Anwa. <laughs> that's, that's huge. But... Um, you know, my other favorite tournaments, I love covering women's NCAAs, especially since we're in match play now. To mm-hmm. me, that's so exciting. Um, you know, I, I don't know that there's something that I'm looking forward to so much as just doing 
the circuit again and getting out there and seeing the -hmm. players get a year older Mm -hmm. and watching players get a little better and I'm hugely interested in who is going to be the Cupcho and Fosse yeah. at Augusta next year, right? Because that was a, such an interesting and different scenario. You had two girls who, I mean, they had their tour cards locked up and they had come back to college golf. And that's a totally different scenario than you usually see. I mean, I cannot remember two rookies who hit the LPGA with a college degree, right? Because when we're talking mm-hmm. about rookies, we're probably talking about the young kids like mm-hmm. Lydia Ko or Jessica Corda or Lexi Thompson. Mm-hmm. And these two stood for something so different. So, uh, I mean, I, I want to know what is, you know, kind of going to be the theme or, or, you know, what's the big storyline we're going to have next year. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be really cool. As a reporter, <clears throat> I was thinking about this the other day. You know, we've kind of strayed away from the days where, like, the reporters would travel with the team unless a lot now a lot of teams actually have their own reporters and they do all this in-house stuff but doing golf I feel like you have the opportunity to get back to those like old journalism days where like you have these relationships with players and they feel comfortable talking to you more than they do a lot of other media outlets have you experienced that where like you have this rapport and they will come to you first and give you a story that like they might not give everybody mm-hmm. you know it's Social media changed that a little bit because if they have something to say, a lot of times it goes on social Mm -hmm. media and then that's where you find it and then you can follow up with them. But it is it is different in golf because you spend so much time walking with them. And, you know, that's my number one thing that I try to do is find, okay, who is mom? You know, who is, you know, um, if I was cover, I was covering a, a male player at the U.S. Amateur, and I was trying to figure out which one was wife and which one was sister. <laughs> you know, so, so sometimes you ask questions. Oh, nope, you're not related. Sorry, you know. Yeah. So you're always reading the crowd to see who is living and dying with each putt. You know, so mm-hmm. so you know who is in their entourage and who you can talk to and get the good stories from. So that is a little different, I think, because I may, you know, you may walk with mom or dad for you know, an hour or spend all day with them. And just in the course of, you know, getting to know them, you get to know their whole journey and their child's journey or, you know, how, whatever the relationship may be. But, um, so, so in that respect, yeah, you, I think you do get closer or, you know, at least, at least you, you get a better idea of the full picture that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So last thing really, before we let you go, um, you just got fitted at our performance center today. I did. How was that experience? It was great. It was so cool because, um, you know, I, I cover golf and I talk about golf for a living and I play golf, but I don't know the ins and outs of equipment. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know a lot of the technical things and the lingo to ask. And so I felt like it was a really easy environment for me to ask questions and say, you know, there was a track man spitting out all these numbers and <laughs> like what does that mean you know point mm-hmm. four to whatever was that good was that bad like what does that represent and so i felt like i walked away from there knowing you know you can you can ask questions you're supposed to ask questions mm-hmm. and you know it doesn't matter if you don't know what all these little numbers mean so it was a really positive comforting experience and i, I learned something <laughs> that's great what was the coolest thing that you saw there and if you say something that's not out yet we can beep you <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay um I, you know i honestly i had never hit balls on a track man before oh, wow. so just like seeing you know seeing everything that that little 
machine and the little computer could give back. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, I, and I don't know. I not. I should have said probably something about the wedges or irons okay. or something, but just the technology to me was it cool. is really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I it's yeah. exciting. It was it different. Picks up, the amount of details that it picks up too is is mind blowing. Yeah, and so now I know what all these players are doing when they're hauling their trackmans from tournament to tournament or mm-hmm. to the range, mm-hmm. I, and that blows my mind a little more because I you know I don't think about my game on that level. I think this is probably a eighty yard shot. That's <laughs> yeah. as technical as I get. You're like estimating, and you're like. Well, today I could probably hit this club, but like the other day I had my Wheaties and I could hit this club. Precisely, <laughs> exactly. How you know how deep in the round? How tired am I? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Once you get your clubs, we'll have to go play. Excellent. I'm Great. up for that. Super. Well, this was so much fun having you on. We'll have to have you come back after you go to this year's, well, 2020. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I would love to and we'll have a whole fresh bevy of stories. Great. Well, we would love to have you. Um, so this was our podcast with Julie Williams. If you haven't listened to our other podcasts, go to CallawayGolf.com. Check them all out. And otherwise, we will see you next time on Girls and Golf.